Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Welcome and good morning to Bridgewater Church. My name is Tyler and I'm very excited to be able to share with you today. Now, for several of you, I probably look familiar. It's been a while, but about a year ago, um, I resigned my position as the youth pastor at BWC and uh, was just looking forward to what was next in my life, my journey with God, and was very humbled and privileged to be asked to come back and share uh, with the amazing BWC family um, as we kick off this brand new series uh, called uh, When God is on the Move. So now we've got some introductions here, I'm excited to dive into today. Uh, so today's topic is specifically we're going to look at identity. And we want to see this breakthrough that we can have about this lie that we can all come to believe that who we are is completely wrapped up in what we do. Is anybody else out there like that or is that just me? As I said a few moments ago, I've been on this journey and I have a few slides I want to share with you that uh, uh, you might find some humor in, but just kind of how my mind tracked through this uh, identity crisis you can say I've been on. I'm going to be real honest today with everyone, so hang in there with me as, as we go. But first and foremost, uh, upon my resignation and, and, and this new journey, this walk with God that I hadn't had before really, uh, I thought my identity was so wrapped up in what I did as a, a preacher, <laughs> as a pastor, um, and it's one of those things where my calling was so much so uh, that I'm there to be a servant, to be a leader, to empower the local church. And one of the ways I've grown through that is to realize that it doesn't necessarily require full-time ministry for me to have that calling still in my life. But that's one of the areas that I was so wrapped up in and I had to wrestle with that. Another one is, is the, uh, the fact that I have a few hobbies in my life, one of those being tabletop role-playing games. And for a season, for a while there, I was so wrapped up in what I could do uh, in an online presence with friends over the, over the internet to have uh, fun uh, playing through these role-playing games. Specifically, we were playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And it was so much fun every time, and I was getting so consumed in that, that my identity was getting wrapped up in well, those things, like what I was doing more so than who I am. And the next step from there that I was on is I get really excited about personality tests, specifically for me, uh, started diving into uh, the Enneagram. It's a resource out there, so if you're familiar with that, uh, you might recognize this slide on the screen here as, as I'm a six, <laughs> and so much about who I was was being wrapped up in this certification that I'm currently walking through now to be an Enneagram coach in my life. And I thought that that was gonna be the next big thing, this thing that nailed down who I was, because I was so focused on what I was doing. And finally, just to have a little bit of fun today, you probably recognize this next slide. No, I, I don't see myself as Michael Scott from The Office, but he is a sales manager. That's the persona he portrays um, on that TV show. And that's where I found myself uh, recently. I, I recently got hired on about six months ago as a sales manager for a, for a tech company. And we'll talk more about that journey uh, a little later on today. But but yeah, that's, that's the journey I've been on. And to be honest, I am still in the throes of that experience and wrestling with uh, uh, who I am and what that identity means. So I'm speaking out of the overflow with you today, okay? Uh, a phrase that you're going to hear me share often today is this one. 
the what doesn't define the who. And I want you to take that to heart and write that down somewhere. Like I said, you'll hear it lots of different times, but the what doesn't define the who. And as we get going in our talk today, I'm going to share with you uh, to start out a few areas in our lives where uh, I want to identify these things, where our identity can get wrapped up in this lie or this trap that the enemy wants to feed us. First, let's take a look at some scripture and get a bit more perspective on where we're headed today. All right. So remember, we often find ourselves uh, believing our value comes from what we do, but that's not what God wants to use to define us. And it says in Ecclesiastes 2, 10 through 11, that I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Take note of that there. Everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So here in the scripture, we have Solomon, king of Israel at the time, and arguably the wisest person in the Old Testament who lived, telling us that all that he had built, all that he had ruled over, all of his wealth and the various marriages that he had, in essence, all he did was meaningless. He took a step back from the everyday to examine that and reflect, and he realized it was meaningless because it wasn't so much about what he did. So from here, I want to look into identifying these three areas that we can fall into this same trap. And first is this one, that our identity wrongly comes from what we have accomplished. Our identity wrongly comes from what we've accomplished. And I can relate to this area so much. And it all started when I was a kid. I was so wrapped up in, in my own accomplishments and things that I could take care of myself. I was very independent. And I was obsessed with having the best attendance, perfect attendance growing up. I was obsessed with being the best athlete that I could to compete with others. I wanted the best grades in my class. And this also transpired over into uh, my own youth group growing up. We ran these things called sword drills, and I wanted to be the best at those. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, they would literally call out a scripture, and you've got your Bible open, and you would be the first one to turn to that scripture and get there and read it before anyone else. And what I learned about myself, even though that tool was really, uh, all of these things were, were good skills and things to have and to, to be proud of, what I learned is that when I wasn't the best, I was deeply upset with myself, with the other person, and it began to build up walls and lies that I would tell myself about, about my own identity because of what I could accomplish or could not. Maybe for you, maybe it's similar. Growing up, maybe possibly you were, you were a letterman in a sport that you participated in, valedictorian of your class, or several other accomplishments, rewards that you got. And like I've said, don't get me wrong, these things are, there's nothing bad about them. It's just that when our identity becomes wrapped up in them, we begin to get lost. And now, as I'm speaking with adults in this room, maybe you're thinking through the fact that you were the, the top producer for your company last month, maybe last quarter, and you feel so valued by that. Maybe uh, you didn't do so well, so the reverse is true, right? You feel like a loser, that your position or your job is on the line, and and that hurts deep within your core because your identity is, is so caught up there. Maybe even you got this promotion, you feel good with the salary bump that that brought, and you feel important because of this, this monetary value that is now tied to your workplace. Or possibly you have a job with a lower income and you don't feel as confident and you feel like your value is less. 
No matter what, if you find yourself thinking these things, then you're getting wrapped up in this lie and this trap that's who you are is truly dependent on what you have accomplished. And it's time to let God step in and move in a big way. The second area is this, is that our identity wrongly comes from what we have. Wow, the comparison game is strong in this point that I'm making here. And along the way, aren't we sort of taught to compare ourselves to others growing up? As I just mentioned before, we're, we're taught that it's so valuable and important to look at who's doing things the best, to measure yourself against them and to learn from what they're doing so you can be better, so you can become the new best at that. So comparison runs rampant in what we're taught to do through being kids and teenagers and beyond. And social media has not helped this at all. <laughs> Maybe you're, you're like someone that I, that I know, some of the people that I know, Having worked with teenagers for, for several years, um, it's, it's, it's a popular thing that you can get on social media and you have constant visibility in the lives of other people, especially people that, that are now called influencers. And you get to look into the, the perfect portraits of their life, whether it's a car that they may have, a neighborhood they live in, uh, a trip that they may have just taken, or even this, uh, this exercise routine they have to get the fittest body. Whatever the case is, you can start to look at those scenarios and those things these influencers might post and you begin to compare to what you have or don't have. And you start this downward spiral where we begin to say that we wish we had that car or that house or that body. And our identity becomes a question. We call it to question and we begin to say, maybe I'm not good enough to have that car. People judge me based on the neighborhood I live in or the house that I have or I'm not good enough and worthy enough because of the weight that I've recently gained. And we begin to be too hard on ourselves. It's a trap and it's a lie, and I want you to be aware if that's where you find yourself today. The third area in our lives we've got to be aware of and call to attention is this one, that our identity wrongly comes from what people think about us. Man, I know that one stings, again, on a very personal note for me, because I can fall into this trap. And it's really fresh for me as well because being on this uh, new employment journey in the last year, I was in several interviews with different organizations and companies and what people thought about me really mattered. <laughs> I was putting my best foot forward as much as possible to, to try to remain true to myself, but I was always overthinking and overanalyzing what will they think if. And that was hard. As I've already said, few moments ago, I've compared myself to Michael Scott from The Office. There's a quote from that show I want to share to you just, just, just to have a little fun with you today, and that's this one. He says in the show, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy. Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. And I think when we're truly honest with ourselves, that can be our mentality at times. We want to be loved so much People are so afraid of how much they love us that sometimes we begin to fit into these different molds, these different ideas or personas we think we should be to fit in. And we get caught up in all of this. It'd be really nice if that was a reality, but it's not. So a little story from my personal uh, life is this new position that I hold as a sales manager. Um, I started uh, this identity hunt and applied for several different positions. Found myself working um, at Athenian, and uh, I was quickly realized I was surrounded by very intelligent and gifted people in this new space, a space that I had very little experience in. And then I was asked to lead a team of sales reps that I realized very quickly were 
very intelligent and talented at what they did. And we started a, a new round of hires beginning in March and I got to meet Jack, who's now one of my sales reps. And Jack challenges me every day uh, in a very good way because he actually brought in some prior sales experience to the role when we hired him. So we, it was a lucky catch there, but somewhere along the way we just clicked. And we, were, we became endeared to one another and we have this very strong personal and professional relationship um, and it works out very well. But we recently had um, our quarterly reviews where I was providing him some feedback and he was giving me some as well. And he told me in that review, uh, Tyler, you are the best boss and coach I've ever had. And I wanna give you a little context here because this is coming from a guy who has had multiple other jobs played collegiate soccer for West Virginia University and has spent considerable time in his life traveling the world. I was very humbled, but you know what? I was also very encouraged and I realized as I reflected on that that I, I wanted to hear that from someone so bad because there are some days you just don't know. And you know what? There were days I wondered if just me being myself was really enough. Should I try to be something I'm not? And I realized, again, as I reflected on that statement, that if I let what he said go to my head about what I did instead of who I was, then I was going to get wrapped up in this spiral, this focus, that it depended on what he thought of me that gave me value. And that's not the breakthrough that we're trying to have here today. God's on the move to do some big things, but it's not what we do. Sorry, it's not, yeah, it's not what we do. It's who we are in him. So maybe for you, this concept of your identity being wrapped up in people think is so ingrained because when you were younger, you took on certain personas like the class clown or the party goer, the all-star athletes, wherever you might have seen yourself fitting in uh, growing up, you realize that what people think about you mattered and you put a lot of stock in that thought. I want you to remember this as we keep going throughout our morning here that it's not what you did, it's not what you do and it's not what you're going to do that defines you. It's who God says that you are. And we need to let that truth settle very deeply into our hearts. It's not our performance, what we've accomplished, all the things that we accumulate or even what others think of us. It's who God says we are. So a natural next question you might be asking is, so who are we here? Why, why are you saying all these things, these things today, Tyler? What really is next for us? Well, Scripture gives us some insight into that. First and foremost, it says that we are beloved, that we are joint heirs with Christ, that we are children of the Creator of the universe, the King, and that we are good. And I want to pause here for a moment and, and simply say this, that the argument could be made that maybe what I'm saying is that what you do isn't important at all. No, it really is. And there's some Scripture that gives us insight into that as well, and that comes from um, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I want to read it again for you so it can really sink in. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Some versions out there that you might read might say uh, God's workmanship or his masterpiece or even some more current versions might say a work in progress. That's been my journey over the last year as I've realized that it's been God's love and His goodness and His mercy that continue to redefine me every single day. That I am a beautiful work in progress. 
But God wants us to do these good things. We were created to go and do them. It definitely, certainly matters. And there's an important revelation, this distinction that we can learn from Ephesians today, and that's this. What we do is a result of who we are. Remember, the what doesn't define the who. So I was in this job hunt, right, about six or eight months ago, and I had applied at several other churches to be on their staff. I even applied for my alma mater at Anderson University for a role there that I thought was a good fit. Uh, And everyone told me over and over again they really liked me, but I never got the call that I was going to be the next person to join their team. And I was nervous, honestly, about getting a job in a corporate space because you hear those stories all the time about how cutthroat it is and how hard it can be. And it's dog-eat-dog out there. And you've got to climb this ladder to reach the top and the hustle is extreme. I didn't want that for my life. (laughs) I wanted a very strong culture where I was going that family mattered. It was important for that to be part of where I was going. And I learned in my interview process with Athenian from the CEO of the organization um, that we are a group of kind-hearted individuals that are geared for high performance and for excellence. And when the CEO shared that with me, I started to get a little emotional on the call and he asked me like, where was this coming from and what I thought about that? And I said, I really resonate with that because I've been doing that for the last eight and a half years in my professional career in a church. So sure, it wasn't a corporate space, but I'd been living that lifestyle already in the culture that we had. And I realized when I got asked to join the team there that two things, one, God had already paved a way for where I was gonna be going next and I had to be patient and wait on that. And the second was this, that what I do, that who I am, um, sorry, let me, let me really rephrase that. So that what I do is a result of who I am. It doesn't define who I am. Let me say it again. Okay, two things I realized that God had paved the way, and the second was this that what I do is a result of who I am. It doesn't define who I am. See, that team, they saw something in me that transcended technology or sales or anything in that space. They looked at the person that I was and the potential that I had to join their team and to manage a team of uh, self starters, people that were looking to make an impact in a sales space. I want to say this loud and clear for everyone who's listening today that God has a purpose and a plan for every single person. And it doesn't matter your professional career choices. It doesn't matter who you are and what you do in those spaces. Don't let that limit God's plan for you. Craig Rochelle, pastor of LifeChurch.tv, has a story that he shares about this idea of getting to know someone professionally and admiring and respecting them. You see, he had been so caught up in his teenage years of putting so much stock in this identity lie about uh, his accomplishments and what he acquired and what people had thought of him. And his parents realized this and said, who is someone you admire and respect? Who is someone that we can take you to go talk to and meet? And there was a local doctor in town that they brought him over to to share with with this man. And so the doctor asked him, hey, why, why do you admire and respect me? What's going on? Let's talk about this. And he started listing off a few things. He said this, he said, you're a man of integrity. You really care about what you're doing. You believe in what you're doing. So the doctor asked him, okay, Craig, did I graduate first in my class or was I the dumbest? Craig, was was I the best athlete around or was I ever uh, picked last at recess? Was I popular with other kids or was I the nerd? Ultimately, 
this young teenage man sitting in front of the in front of the doctor had no idea about these past experiences the doctor had and he said this and it really stuck with me in the story the doctor said back to craig interesting so it appears that you respect me more for who i am than how i have performed so i want to say again today for everyone that you are not what you did you're not what you do you're not what you're going to do you are who god says you are and we should let god define a couple of things in our lives today moving forward in your walk with Him that can break through the lies that we can often tell to ourselves and believe. So where do we go from here today? I want to give you two ingredients, two things that we need to let God define in our lives. And the first one is this. We have to let God define the do's and the don'ts. We have to let God define the do's and the don'ts. I think a lot of times when we think about what we do and don't do in life, we can, we can feel overcommitted. And, and that mindset, that action, that reality can run rampant for us. And it comes from pressure, right? Pressure in our job to perform, despite where the economy might be sitting right now. Pressure from our family to reach familial expectations. Maybe pressure from your neighbor to keep your yard as nice as theirs. Pressure comes from everywhere. We don't have to look far to see it. And there's so much going on that we're just trying not to drown in all of these expectations and the bulk of our calendar and this pressure. So I want to ask, you know, can you ever think of a time in your life, maybe recently, that you weren't running ragged? You weren't feeling like you were just trying to stay afloat amidst all this pressure? I have an answer if you don't have one. And it may not be the most popular of answers considering all the heartache that it has brought to people, but lockdown during COVID cleared everyone's schedule. Really think about it, okay? I heard from multiple people who were families in our church, who were friends of mine, how clear their calendars were because they had nowhere to go, no activities to do. And I'm not saying that was the best case scenario, considering COVID, of course, who would? But there is something to be said about how free people could experience life in those moments, not running from one place to the next, being overcommitted to things, we have to admit and be ready to admit that a busy calendar can often be an indicator of a life that is wrapped up in this performance lie that we are what we do. And we know based on today that we're not. There's, there's a scripture that cuts right to the chase that I want to share for us today. And that's from Matthew 11, verses 29 through 30. Jesus is speaking here and he says to take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I would venture to say the things that we allow to occupy our calendars or even our mind can create a yoke that is a burden, that is heavy. And why? Well, naturally, we have to say yes to the demands of work because there are bills that need to be paid. <laughs> we have to say yes to the yard being mowed and kept nice or guess what? The HOA is going to come calling. We have to arrange our family schedules just right to make it to that reunion in time in spite of the band practices, the football two-a-days, the summer travel schedules and tournaments, and of course your own family vacation just to get away and unwind together. But Jesus says that if we are yoked with Him, if we're joined with Him, in other words, if we are doing life with Him, that that yoke will be easy and that burden light, that He will empower us by His Spirit to know when there's too much that's going on, when we need to be able to reset and return to Him. 
you'll feel it. It'll be there, that, that unsettledness that you'll feel. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but Jesus said that I only do what my Father is doing. In other words, I'm not trying to prove anything to anyone else, including myself. I only do what God tells me to do. So we need to let God define those do's and don'ts in our lives. Maybe you're a checklist person like myself. I am. I love checking something off a list. It feels so right when that can be done. Maybe, just maybe, we need a to-don't list. And that might sound cheesy to say, but maybe, just maybe, we need to ask God to take a look into our calendars, into our lives, even into our bank accounts, and decide where are the things that we don't need to do or be invested in. I have three amazing reasons at home for things that I need to say no to that I think matter, but really, in the grand scheme of things, they don't. That's my wife and my two sons. <laughs> they matter most, and if I end up prioritizing other things than them, then things get out of whack in those relationships. Same with my Heavenly Father. I used to think that being a great leader, an influencer, meant that there were more things for me to do, but in actuality, in order for me to be an effective leader, I had to do less and do it better. Church, if you're listening today, it's time for us to let God define our do's and our don'ts. And this other area that we need to examine is that we need to let God define the wins and the thens. We need to let God define the wins and the thens. And here's how we know that our thoughts have begun to betray us and our wins and thens. And, and believe me, I, I have a little bit of credit that can be given here. Uh, I'm an Enneagram type 6, and if you know the tool, if you know any 6s in your life, we are always thinking about the if, the wins, and the thens. Uh, I even had a student from BWC, Keegan Hudson, who affectionately told me one time on a mission trip, Tyler, I'm pretty sure your backup plans have backup plans. He is not wrong, people. I'm always weighing the ifs, the wins, and the thens. When we think, when we believe, and we act on this type of thought, this train of thought, when this, then this will happen or can happen, we realize that the thens never come. The thens never show up. Let's look at James chapter 4, 13 through 14 here. Here's what he says. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? Why do you not, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We aren't guaranteed tomorrow. So we need to get about the business of what we need to take care of today and not weigh out those options. Perfect example of this story comes from Luke chapter 10 with Mary and Martha and Jesus. And Mary is focused on the then, Martha is focused on the when. Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus and she learned from him. She learned from his lessons and absorbed all he had to teach her. And Martha, she was running around the house preparing things, getting everything just right and just ready for that next thing. And she was getting really ticked off at her sister for not helping. I bet she was thinking in her mind, hey, when I get everything in order, then I can go sit. I'll give myself permission to go sit and learn from Jesus. But Jesus says to her, Martha, <laughs> you're upset and worried about so many things, but Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. So in our everyday life, maybe your, your wins and thens look like this. When the kids get older, then we'll spend more time together. When our careers are established, then we'll, then we'll get married. 
when we get where we want financially, then we'll be able to spend more quality time with one another and with our families. When we get more settled in life, then we will start to serve in church. Or when we get debt paid off, that's when we can be more generous. It's always when, then, when, then, when, then. And again, the problem is, usually those thens, they never come. And we're not guaranteed tomorrow, so we have to change that filter. When we allow God to define those wins and thens, we begin to have these breakthroughs into this issue with our identity. Sometimes we hear a statement or a quote from someone that's so profound, we can't help but stop and take pause and reflect. And I ran across this quote a couple years ago, and I wanted to share it with you today because I think it's very fitting in the conversation that we're having. Les Brown, who is actually a former member of the Ohio House of Representatives and now a motivational speaker, he says this, The graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and the dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out the dream. Church, we've got to allow God to define those wins and thens in our life. And from there, follow Him into the breakthroughs that can happen as we get trapped in this identity crisis. As we wrap up today, I just want to share these last few thoughts for the sake of the one Jesus who gave His life for you, who loves you so unconditionally, and who invites you to live life to the full, won't you pursue Him and allow Him to define you for who you are? Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. One last time, I want to leave you with these amazing thoughts that the what doesn't define the who. You are good. Remember this. You are God's masterpiece, His beloved joint heirs with Christ. Today is a breakthrough waiting to happen because the what doesn't define the who. Let me pray for us. God, we are so thankful to be in this space, to be hearing your word, to be hearing these promises spoken over us today. And as we are preparing for breakthroughs coming into our lives, as we identify the fact that you are on the move, and that you're going to show up in massive ways, and we don't want to miss that, God. May it all start internally within us today. Break through in fresh, new, exciting ways in our lives and our identities so that we know it doesn't have to be what we do, God, that defines us, but in who we are in you. I pray this prayer for everyone listening, God, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, Oh, we've been challenged and inspired by what's been shared today. I know I have been as I've been on this journey to prepare and share with you. It's been great to be with you. Until we see you again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page, You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. 
We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world for Jesus Christ.